As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to From the Rookerin, a uh, podcast about Watford Football Club uh, brought to you by The Athletic. It's Sunday, Watford played yesterday away at Swansea City, losing 2-1. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Uh, it's a good job we haven't got Wrexham or Barrytown in the FA Cup, that's all I can say. <laughs> Jason is also with us this morning. Good morning, despite the fact that we've uh, lost our unbeaten start to 2021. Oh, it's all been done <laughs> with already. Uh, and uh, Adam Leventhal. Morning everyone. It was uh, it was lovely to be there. Really lovely. <laughs> well, yeah, you made the trip uh, down to South Wales, but you know, it came after the, the the positivity, the the joyousness that was the uh, the win at home against Norwich. And well, Jason, what, what how, how did you think in his second game after not that long a, a time, less than two weeks, I suppose, with the boys? How how was this? How did uh, Munoz Cisco? How did he uh, approach this this game? Well, he put his faith in the. 10 players that are still Watford players that started against Norwich, which was fair enough, you'd think. Set up the same way, a 4-4-2. Chalibur obviously coming in for Kapu, so a, a player, whilst not of similar quality, probably of, of similar shape physically. I, I don't know. It, it, for me, it was more about what we what we didn't do yesterday. We, we, we had these wingers who were playing more as, as wing-backs, and almost fullbacks, and at times we were playing sort of five and six across the back, and it was almost like we were we were scared of of Swansea. Now, I must admit, I think this is probably our toughest game so far when you consider Bournemouth, Brentford, uh, Norwich games are all at home. Swansea for me are definitely one of those teams up the top, and will be there at the end. Uh, and having to play them away in your your second game, having just played the leaders. Is a is a baptism of fire for for Shisco. but even so, I the approach I didn't agree with. I thought we had opportunities with them playing a back three, and they had a, that late change, didn't they? Where they had to bring a, a sort of a fullback into the back three. Their 
fullbacks, their wing backs were, were were bombing forward every opportunity and sort of pinning us back, which would have left space. And I just felt that we, with our wingers, we didn't exploit that space enough. Having said that, we had a, a decent spell of pressure where we were pushing players forward whilst the attacking was a bit more patient. We had that spell that that led to the um, that led to the cleverly goal. The first sort of twenty minutes, half hour was was okay. Whilst I didn't quite agree with the way we were set up, it seemed to be working. Mike, you know that's the thing. It, it, it seemed patient, and I suppose that's what I didn't want to see. I felt you know, Ivic was all patience. You know, with Munoz, it was I wanted to see this energy, this energy, and this go go go. And we we didn't get to see it. But like as Jason said. Down the was our left, their right. Uh, it was it was we've been pinned back, and it it wouldn't look looking that great for uh, Ingakia. No, I mean for that first half an hour, it was, it was actually quite an entertaining game. I think Swansea were on top, but I think really we probably held our own to a to a degree, and it was I mean it was definitely more entertaining and enjoyable than than the previous away games we'd we'd seen this season. I think it's important to say that for the first half an hour anyway. But yeah, that that our left. Uh, their right, John, was was a huge concern for me straight away, and well, a huge concern for the for the boss as well as he made the change at, at half time. Um, but you know, we could have been behind very early in the game. I think it was six or seven minutes when the ball fizzed across, and that really set the tone, didn't it, for the the pattern of play down that side. And it and it did just sort of strike me. It's like if if they can have so much joy down our our right flank, and yes, we know J- Jeremy and Gakir isn't a left back. Why can't we have as much joy down our right side when we've got, you know, arguably one of the best wingers, not just in the championship, but someone, you know, that we were saying could be go to the top echelons of the of the Premier League. It felt like they had more joy down their right in the first half an hour than we've had attacking down the right in the entire season. And that, that I found sort of slightly, slightly frustrating and a, and a, and a real cause for concern. Swansea had the better chances, but then after Watford did, had, they built up a little bit of a head of steam. It was not quite end to end, but it was it was relatively open. There were t- the both teams were enjoying possession at either end of the pitch, and I did I did enjoy the the cleverly goal because I think that ball was it was almost a fifty fifty. And it, it broke to him and cleverly had to really commit to get there and then really commit to get the shot off. And he, and he got, the, got the lucky deflection, a very, very slight deflection, which I think did for the keeper, didn't it? Um, but that spoke to me of, right, this is, we're carrying on that sort of um, positivity from, from, the, from the Norwich game and, and everyone's sort of up and, OK, can we, can we build on it? The goal in itself was deserved at that stage. In and of itself, it, showed, it took a bit of commitment and effort and a bit of positivity that we've been, been crying out for. And I thought, right, OK, we've got a platform here. But Swansea don't concede many at home. Let's, get, let's see, what, what, see what happens. Uh, and unfortunately, we weren't able to, to capitalise it on, on it. And, and, and by the time their, their equaliser came, uh, Foster had had to make two very, very good saves. They probably should have scored before they did. Slightly frustrating, typical Watford fashion, that the goal that they did score was the hardest of their their chances and was probably the opposite to what I was saying about, about Cleverly getting to the ball first. We didn't get to the ball first and allowed him far too much time to shape his shot and bend it into the corner. Adam, you know, the, the frustration was that we weren't doing quite enough uh, in the final third. 
Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm saying this in, in January, but I feel like I've been saying this for near on five years. Uh, you know, it, it feels that way. And we had the Deany Gray combination up front. That felt like the, the weakness and why we couldn't sort of capitalise on, on the good things that we'd been seeing for the rest of the team. They didn't click and they haven't, have they? No, I think overall um, they haven't. It was interesting watching the first half because I was intending on on writing a piece about about the partnership, having seen some positive signs against Norwich, because that's what you know the the perceived logic was about what had been missing for Watford that that Deeney needed Gray alongside him, and they did some good things against Norwich. He was stretching the defenses, Deeney was holding back, and and I wanted to see a little bit more of that against Swansea. I think it was a little bit more difficult just due to the the way that. Both teams were set up. Obviously, um, Swansea had a three-man midfield, which meant that when Deeney was dropping, he did have an extra um, man on him um, in that in that midfield. So I think that that was quite tricky for him because he also had you know three central defenders as well. But to give them their credit, and it was maybe more Gray than than Deeney for that goal. Gray did actually do something um, for that goal. You know, he, the, the ball was played into him. He did hold it up. He got a slight toe poke out to, out to, to Cleverly, and then obviously that the finish was great. Um, but it was actually the preamble to the goal, which which I thought was quite interesting, and it's something that you know simply because I was there, very privileged position to to be at a game. It, it it reminded me that there had been a change in the way that Watford had approached the game, and it reminded me. You remember when I was talking about how vociferous and noisy the Huddersfield bench were uh, against Watford in comparison with the sort of silent crossed arms of of Vladimir Ivic, who was getting a little bit irritable about this this noisy bench. Well, it was it was roles reversed because Steve Cooper um, and one of his assistants. When Watford actually chased down the ball over on the left-hand side, it forced a mistake from the Swansea goalkeeper Woodman. And then Gehi, you know, let the ball go out of play. That was as a result of Saar pressing really, really hard. That got a great reception from Chisco and his assistants. And I saw Steve Cooper sort of look across and go, all right, mate, you know, it's it's only, you know, they've only just chased, chased something down. Don't get too carried away from it. But then that actually led to the goal. So it was quite interesting to see that there was a different approach. There was a different feel. But unfortunately, when they did score they seem to sort of switch back in a sort of a default setting to right well we've scored our goal let's 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 sit back again rather than then kicking on and and i suppose yes the the, the Dini and gray partnership could have actually helped um in the second half but it, it didn't click and i'm not sure whether that was simply down to both players not being particularly full of confidence or if it's just simply the fact that they're not they're just not suited playing together to to actually making as much of an impact as we've seen in recent weeks other strikers other number nines and tens make against us yeah adam you were there so you'll have a you'll have a better feel for this Troy had to come back so deep so often didn't he I mean I think his heat map had him sort of more in in the more touches in our own half than he did in in the opposition half is there an issue with our midfield connecting with our, our strikers and it, I think that for me that's been an issue all the way through the season that sort of transition has looked very very clunky um, certainly under Vladimir Ivich starting to look a little bit more fluid um, and able to sort of press and be a bit more positive in the early signs under under Munoz but 
is there an issue with the with the link up between between the the midfield and 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 the attack? So sort of trying to cut the the boys up front a little bit of slack. I mean, I think that you know the the issues are pretty clear. Watford very very good defensively still. I think they've let it. They're one of the better defensive records in the in the division, but certainly one of the poorest um, records when it comes to to attack. And it, surely that sort of that's that that link between the centre of defence that that area. And going from there to dangerous positions isn't being exploited. It just isn't isn't happening. I thought yesterday Swansea made wherever they had the ball sort of moving forward, they did something with it that was not not threatening every time. But they looked they they made better use of their of their, of their possession in good areas. And I think that's something that Watford have failed to do throughout the season. And is there that link up, Adam? Is that causing? issues for those two guys or is it or is it those two guys that are more of a, a problem in, in themselves if that makes sense no no no. I, I, I get exactly what you're saying I, I don't think it can all be put on on Dini and Gray and, and I don't think that that's something that would be entirely fair but then the, the problem is when they did get their chances you know in the first half Gray had an opportunity in the second half Dini albeit a difficult one on the volley he didn't take his opportunity, which can happen. I, I understand that. But we are too wasteful as a as a team, as we know. But yeah, in terms of the actual sort of transition from defence to, to attack, it, it did sort of hark back a little bit to, you know, the days of, of, of Ivic. The defenders were getting more of the ball. There wasn't a natural path through the midfield, especially when Nathaniel Shalabar was on the pitch. Unfortunately for him, it's just not working at the moment. And he's not the player to come in and replace um, Etienne Capou because he doesn't have that vision to be able to pick a pass, a longer distance pass, to then release and encourage more and more runs in behind from Saar and from Semmer and maybe from Gray as well. So you completely miss that in your side. Um, but it was interesting. I watched Shalabar and he was going back a lot. So he hadn't played in a in a Chisco side yet. So he was playing the ball back, playing the ball square. But then when he did get his, his head up and was braver, there were two balls when he, um, it was around, a corner broke down and, you know, he played the ball over to the to the left-hand side. He believed in himself and he played the ball out over to Cleverly on the left. And it was a good pass. And then there was another one. It was a bit of a flatter delivery. It was had a little bit too much pace, but he saw an opportunity to release Semmer down the left-hand side and he did it. And I wonder whether it's, it's a confidence issue for him. You know, he's been playing in this very much a shield role um, in an Ivic side. Maybe he needs to get his head up and also, there needs to be a bit more belief pumped into him to say, look, yeah, when you when you pop a pass off to Cleverly, you have to then go. Don't sit back and wait for it to come back to you. You have to then pass a move. It's It sounds very simple. But then I think that that overall doesn't help the, the functionality of the team. And I think, you know, when there was an opportunity to change things in the second half, James Garner came on and he did, he did do a, a, a lot more in terms of getting his head up and passing the ball but i would have loved to have seen will hughes come on because i think that he was that he was the one to to come on and hopefully we will see him starting very soon the other the other thing that i was sorry chaps the other thing i'm going to get all my criticisms out of the way relatively go early, on then, then get yourself on. healthy everyone can get on with their day and move on they knew it was coming I still, I never felt that Watford were completely out of the game yesterday, despite, you know, quite rightly made the caveat at the start of the show that Swansea are an excellent side. Jason pointed out this is probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, 
game of the season. And and to Watford's credit, despite a poor second half, I never felt they were completely out of the game. You still feel like there is enough quality in there to make something happen. But, you know, as the second half wore on, we did become more and more apparent that it was going to come down to one or two opportunities. Troy Deeney's was... That sticks in the memory because it was the only... It was a really difficult chance on the volley. It was His body shape was difficult. But we didn't really create much else despite occasionally getting into good good positions. You know, I think Saar got released a couple of times. He did well to, to win a corner. And then the delivery's bad again. And I just think that, that happens far too far too often. You know, Ben Wilmot, who I think had a, had a great game in the first half, he, he, he carved out that opportunity down the right-hand side and he battled, 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 got a ball in and then we didn't finish it. But all too often when we do the hard work and we win a set piece... A corner or a, or a free kick, it it gets wasted, and that's you know delivery from from Semmer, delivery from um, Garner when he came on, uh, a free kick from from Cleverly. It's all little bits that when you're watching the game, they don't feel like massive moments, but when you add them up, it's like well, you know we've gone to Swansea, but you know to a team that we're challenging for for automatic promotion. Well, in theory. And then you, you wake up the next morning, you think, oh, there was that, and then there was that, and then there was that, and then there was that. And they feel like very small, incidental moments. But if you make the most of those, then, then you're, in with much, you're much closer to, to getting something out of the game. And, and I do wonder whether, as a whole, we're not that far away from it clicking. But there's so many, I said it before, there's so many times when individual players don't do what they're supposed to do at that time, whether it's a good delivery, whether it's a good finish, whether it's a, a, a decent corner. And it all adds up to it all feeling a bit sort of, uh, so it makes it so difficult. Um, and I think, you know, tr- tr- the, all the headlines amongst Watford supporters will be amongst, will be about Troy Deeney and on, Andre Gray. And, you know, there is an absolute argument for that. The goals aren't going in. So who do you look at when, when the goals aren't going in? The strikers. They don't, didn't look good yesterday, and I'm sure they'll be the first to admit it. But in terms of what else is happening, in terms of contributing to scoring goals, I think there's far too many players not doing what they should be doing as well. And it just feels, on one side, it's like, ugh, it's just not far away from, from perhaps clicking. But on the other side, it's, it feels a little bit like the same old story. Well, the substitutions, we, we didn't really have the options. It's, it's always lovely to see the team sheet and go, oh, look, young Sam, uh, Sam Dolby, he's on the bench. It would be nice to see him play some minutes. And then, of course, you realise that there was no one else really on the bench. Uh, and there was no Parizza, you know, give another option to the attack. And, it, it, uh, I, you know, the, the goal came, what was it, 67th minute? You know, by the time we got to the 80-odd minute, it was like... We're just not going to be able to break him down. We need something different on the on the pitch to, to change things. But, but Jason, watching the game, did you feel there was a difference in terms of mentality for that finale uh, of the game compared to what we've seen already this season under uh, under Ivic? I think so. It did feel like we were we were applying pressure. But just coming back to the goal, I just want to talk about that as well because I, whilst I felt it was certainly Swansea deserved it. But it was just so preventable from our point of view. We talked about the um, problems they were causing us down their right-hand side in the first half. A lot of that was down to the fact that they were sort of overloading in those areas and they were outnumbering us. When it came to the goal, I think we actually had sort of two versus two on that side and we just sort of stood off them. And we were scared of them sort of passing around us. So it just gave them ample opportunity to put a decent ball into the box. The ball comes in. Foster comes for it when... And I'm not sure if he, if it was, I don't want to say half-hearted, but whether 
he should have held his ground or whether he should have been more committed to try and win the ball. Clear everything out. He had to do one or the other, didn't he? He did, he did neither. Yeah, and he did neither, and he was unsure. And then, and then Kiko ducks. If you watch it back again, Kiko just sort of dips his head. And I think that might be because Fozzie was coming at him. Um, and that just makes, yeah, just, just leaves it for uh, for Lowe to come in and, and nod it into the corner. So, yeah, the, the goal itself, entirely preventable from a, from a Watford point of view. In terms of the mentality, yes, it felt like we were we were pushing forward more again. Um, and that's when the, the chance sort of came for, for Troy. I don't think Swansea looked particularly uncomfortable. It, it sort of very was very much a sort of mirror image of the Norwich game last week where we sort of retreated in those last 15 minutes, but held pretty firm and looked pretty comfortable all in. It was the other way around this week. We were trying to push forward Swansea, uh, perhaps not retreating as much as we did the previous week. They bought on Morgan Gibbs white, who has a lot of skill and quality about him. And I think he, almost single-handedly kept the ball in our corner for the for the whole of injury time um so they still had they still had an out so where we were trying to apply the pressure and we did have a more positive mentality they had the skill and the ability to to keep the threats away and to keep the ball from spending the entirety in their half or in their final third so the idea was there the thought was there the execution certainly wasn't because we didn't have the quality that Swansea had in their side on the day with Munoz Adam you know how was he in in those moments did you see someone who was was directing or was just being there as a cheerleader no, I, th- I think that he did, you know, as we mentioned earlier on, he did change the, the mindset. There was that positivity. They were different up until the goal in the first half. And then they were more enthusiastic um, with with more intent in the second half when they were trying to get uh, the scores back level again. And, you know, they had a long string of, of corners. Deeney had that chance, you know, in the box and span and it sort of, he didn't turn maybe as quickly as everyone would have liked, but it was you know it was a good blocked challenge. Siralta had a couple of headers as well, um, and there there was a feeling you know on the touchline of come on you know this is building this is building come on we need to take advantage. But then we just couldn't get that that final touch. So we weren't a million miles away from from getting a very good draw, a battling draw. You know, having been ahead and then been behind, if we got an equaliser, I think that would have been a real boost. So I think in general terms. You know, and speaking to him, you know, afterwards, you know, he was saying, look, okay, you know, I I was glad that I went into the dressing room and I saw everyone was really disappointed. You know, at least there we're getting an insight into the fact that he's he is giving us an impression that there is a sort of a united group in that dressing room that is all on the same page at this point. But he did also say a couple of times, you know, to be continued almost as if look come on i've i've had two games i've had two weeks um with this side and we've not been far away um in either game we've won one we've lost one small margins give me give me a little bit of a chance and then hopefully this positivity will will keep keep on flowing and building up but I, yeah i I'm, it's almost a shame that the the next game is an fa cup game 
um, because that sort of will disrupt how he will probably approach things and give people minutes and then sort of protect them for, for the next league game. But I think, you know, there will be an opportunity for the likes of Philip Zinkernagel, who's who's come in and is a new signing and who was there against Swansea at the ground. He watched the game from the sidelines and he actually did the, the warm down physical exertions that the, the non-used substitutes and Will Hughes as well, who only came on for a minute. He actually took part in that with the team. So I think the thought will be to give him some minutes against Manchester United. And I think from his point, watching the game, he will go, I can I can make an impact on this side. I can do um, a lot of the things that are missing in this team in the attacking third. So I, I think there is there are reasons to be cheerful. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. It is January, and you can press refresh for as many times as you like. Uh, and mm-hmm. I know many of you will be, because uh, the transfer window is open. What's on the list? What's on the list? We've talked about some of the faults from yesterday, but and we've also talked about that there are, there are fine margins between what we have and, and where we need to be. Mike, what's on the list of, of things we must bring in? So this is an interesting thing I've got. Who We need someone who's going to score goals. Now, I've seen a lot of people on, on social media say, you know, and, and friends included say, oh, we need to bring in a, a decent number nine. And I've sort of my, had my head in my hands a little bit. So it's like, oh, OK, yeah, we'll just nip out and pick up a, a goal scoring number nine, shall we, in January? Because, A, well, who's selling one in January? Who's selling a, a, a goal scorer in, in January? Because goal scorers are quite helpful. They People tend to hang on to them. So... Uh, that's the pro- that's the biggest problem for me, and it's it's so so obvious. I don't really think I'm adding much to the debate, but we we need someone that, that's going to score goals. But I did, I just wonder whether Gino and Scott turn around and say, look, point at the bodies in the building and say, Troy Deeney, Andre Gray, Stipe Paritza, Glenn Murray, perhaps I don't know. Munoz has, has perhaps alluded to the fact that he might have a a role to play. I I, I don't know. Isaac Success returning to fitness, uh, Jao Pedro. So there's six, potentially five strikers there to to choose from. So I wonder whether they might, you know, with some justification, you can argue as to the qualities and merits of of all of them and say, look, there's there's six strikers when everyone's fit and everyone's available. 
that that should be enough. So I, I'm not holding out much much hope of, um, of 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 a of a number nine coming in that's going to all of a sudden just step into the side and be that silver bullet when it comes to goal scoring. I think I noticed yesterday when you know we talked about we talked about Etienne Capou leaving when you got the ball in the middle of the pitch with a bit of space and you think oh we were going to get one of those lovely sort of arrowing passes to start a move now. And then you realise, ah, we haven't got Etienne Capou anymore. And I felt a bit silly sort of saying how, you know, I was glad it's the time for him to move on. Come back, come back, Caps, we need one of your passes. So I think maybe someone, you're not going to replace Etienne Capou because he's too good to, to, to replace, but perhaps someone who can at least vaguely fill fill those shoes, have that bit of creativity in, in midfield, I think. That's that's what I think we need. That, that that's, that's someone who is going to replace Capou to a degree. Where's that going to come from, Adam? Do you think is it is it purely from within? Is it purely just uh, Will Hughes? Um, do, do, again, will the will the Pozzos look at that that list of of midfield that we have and say there's plenty of bodies in there? They're not rubbish. They're, we just need to get them clicking. Um, but they are missing and have lost Etienne Capou. I, I think that they would want to to bring in a replacement of some sort for for Etienne Capou, someone who's who's willing to get on the ball, either drive forward or, as we were saying earlier on, sort of release some of the the pace that we have got that can exploit the space in behind. Um, And it was interesting that, you know, we got a a glimpse into one player that was was linked with Watford um, early on in the summer window, Matt Grimes playing for Swansea, their captain. And he's a completely different player to, to Etienne Capou in terms of size, but he does do very, very similar things. So you could see why there was an interest in him. Um, you know, he's he's happy to be on the ball. He's always demanding it. Yes, he has an extra body with him in that Swansea midfielder he did he did um, on Saturday. Um, but, you know, willing to get his head up and ping passes around. And, you know, neither one of, of um, Tom Cleverley or Nathaniel Shalabar were consistently comfortable doing that. But that's not to say that, that Tom Cleverley can't play that role because he did that on a, on a number of occasions against Norwich. You know, he's quite happy taking a pass in early and pinging it over the top and, and releasing um, Ishmael Assar. And that's something that Kiko can do, but it's just making sure that he does do it. Because when Kiko gets on the ball, he can find space in behind. He's got a good right foot and he can do it. So, you know, there are other ways of skinning the cat in terms of trying to release, you know, the pace in the side. But in terms of bringing someone in, I would hope that they will do something. But they do also have, yes, they do have bodies in the building. Um, But I'm not sure whether they have enough quality in the building to have a midfield that is going to be consistently good enough to keep Watford in in promotion um, contention. Unless... Unless Will Hughes comes in, gets a run of games, builds up a great partnership with Tom Cleverley, and you know everything is is right in the world again. So, you know, there's there's lots of ifs and buts, but I think you know if you if you look at um, the narrative of letting one of your senior players go, however sort of hot and cold he might have been, and you know people thinking, oh well, he wanted to leave in the summer, maybe he actually doesn't want to be here, you know, in Etty and Capu. Um, if they don't replace him, I think I don't think that that will will look particularly good. But also, I think that they will know they're watching the same games as the fans. They know that something's missing in midfield, and they also know that something isn't quite right. You would hope up top. 
So if they can change things with players that they've got in the building, you know, the likes of Isaac Success, perhaps, I don't know, um, you know, João Pedro, but also, and I'm coming back to him because I've done a piece on him and I, and I, I believe... I believe that Philip Zinkenagel is going to make a, a big difference to this Watford side because he's very level-headed, he's a good team player, he's coming in with a lot of confidence and he has got abilities to go both sides, play central as well and he's, you know, he's got, he can pick a pass in the final third. You know, so many times we've seen that final ball from, from Ishmael Assar, for example, not be quite good enough. Um, and he needs to improve on that. He also needs to exploit the space more and believe in himself and just go forward because he can, you know, tear strips off, off so many people in terms of the pace that he's got. But Zinkenagel seemingly at Bodo Glimt was doing all of this and was composed in front of goal. 19 goals, 18 assists last season, broke all the records, is in fine form. So I'm hoping that he will be able to make a big difference to this Watford side. And that might then just relieve a little bit of the pressure and the focus and the scrutiny on other departments. So fingers crossed that he will do something. Do you think, bearing in mind what you've said there, and I'm trying to sort of inject a little bit of realism into into things, because I think we can all see in reality that Watford are struggling to different degrees in, in every area of the of the pitch, but January is a notoriously difficult time to do to do any sort of business, especially against the backdrop of a an economically uncertain industry at the moment. You know, COVID cases on the rise again. We don't know what's going to happen in the in the coming weeks. Just hearing what you're you're talking about Zinkenagel there, which it sounds incredibly positive, and and there have been some some decent bits of research pop up on online, and thanks to those who've shared that with with us. But do you think he might have been brought in? As a as a way of a replacing both Kapu and adding to 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 our attacking ranks because you know I mentioned there that we need someone in midfield and ideally someone who can score goals. Do you think he might have been brought in as a as a catch-all in in that respect? And and is it realistic? If if not, do you think it's realistic to expect a striker, for example, to be brought in? I think a striker is less likely because I think that they will think that Zinkenagel is is going to be able to add something in the attacking third. I don't think he's coming in, um, you know, in any shape or form as a, as a replacement as a central defensive midfielder. He he is coming in to to help the attacking um, prowess of this team. So I would hope that yes, Zinkenagel's brought in, and they also bring in an extra body in midfield. But it does all depend on on getting bodies out as well. And and you know we've seen that in in the striker department. You know the the thoughts of you know Deeney and Gray potentially leaving in the summer. Everyone was sort of thinking that that was going to happen, but you've got that logjam now. And yes, you've got Murray hanging around, but I, I would have thought that if he was going to be involved, and you know there was a way back in for him from Munoz, then he would have been on the bench rather than Sam Dolby against against Swansea. I mean, I, I think that was the clearest sign. You know, you've got three. Three strikers, Hungbo, Critchlow, and Dolby, um, which sounds like a, a lovely solicitors firm. I think actually, <laughs> um, where where was Glenn Murray in, in terms of that? If he's not physically fit, or if or if the decision has actually been made that he's going to leave, I think that was probably the the clearest indication that 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 we get. It would be good, but then I don't necessarily know if he's got enough credit in the bank from his performances in a Watford shirt already to to actually come in with any great confidence. So. 
yeah, I, I'll keep on going back to it, but I think Zinkanagel will make a big difference in the attacking third, but there is still work to be done in terms of, of the midfield, and they, they will want to do that. How are they going to go about this, though, Adam? You know, the, the transfer window is, is going to be run slightly differently, a different approach, because... As you've reported um, since the summer, Adam, yeah, there's a new man in charge, Cristiano Giretta, as the sporting director and the, the main man sort of running these things day to day, not being the man making the final decision, which is, of course, always Gino. It's quite significant that it has now been sort of confirmed and, you know, we've been in a position to actually say that Filippo Giraldi has, has left the building. You know, he's been in, in Italy since, since November and there has been that sort of official handing over of power to um, Cristiano Giretta, who is now, you know, Gino's right-hand man. He is the, the sporting director. We have a sporting director rather than a technical director. He has responsibilities over the sort of the day-to-day management of the technical side of the team. So, you know, managing the staff and, and seeing if the players need anything, but also then working alongside Gino in terms of recruitment and using his contacts of you know trusted agents but also then consulting with the recruitment team who are reporting uh, to him and to Gino to try and get the deals done it is different it's the first transfer window that we've had that Giraldi hasn't been involved in so yes we can we can assess it at the end of it to see whether it was you know particularly better or, or worse or it delivered or it didn't deliver if it's if it's got the sort of the usual arguments at the end of it where a lot of fans say oh well you know this this has been an issue for quite some time i.e a striker or previously it was central defense but they did sort that out in um in the summer you know if we have those arguments again then you know you have to sort of go to the top and you go well come on gino you know you need to you need to be doing more or you need to be making better choices but i think you know cast over all of this the net that is cast over all of it is that they are dealing with you know this difficult financial situation that everyone is in so they're not going to gamble they're not going to overcommit and they also need to go i think deep down although they won't probably want to admit this they have to go right if we can't get you know a tune out of all these players that we've got in the building we need to give them the chance because then that's that's protecting our assets and you know hopefully we will be able to sell some of them in the future if they can perform or they're going to get us into the premier league but if not then we probably have to sort of rip it up and start again in the summer because we've given these players who were previously premier league players an opportunity they should perform better they should have a better output for the team and if they're not supplying that then they will have to start again in the summer and that may well, <laughs> that may well mean another season in the championship but they obviously won't want that and they will hope that the the investment that they have made in the squad um and some of that has come from Udinese we know the likes of Stipe Perica but he's not been fit for long enough you know they will hope that they can under this new management still still be able to get Watford or keep Watford competitive in and around the playoffs and potentially automatic promotion um so it's a difficult one difficult climate new regime but hopefully hopefully they can they can do one of two little things which i think is all the side really needs to to make them a better outfit jason you know i like to compare um going back to 2014-15 you know we didn't bring in massive amounts of players in the the january transfer window that gave us that that final lift uh you know out of the players that we brought in colony um we brought in ben watson uh layoon uh marco motta you know, none of them really, none of them were the silver bullet, 
but they were all just just little things. Are, are, as a Watford fan, are you expecting, are you sort of preparing yourself for for not a lot to really come in? Nothing that's really going to go, ah, brilliant, we're ready, let's go. Yeah, I think the simple answer to that one is, is yes, I'm not expecting a lot. Um, and part of me is wondering if we'll see a maybe a change in formation, a change in setup, and that will be the, the big difference. Um, obviously, there is long, a long way to go in this transfer window. We're only right at the very beginning. But having bought Zink and Argel in, we've got a player there who is um, creative. He, he can create goals. He can score goals. We know Sark can score goals from his position. Perhaps, uh, my, my thoughts, perhaps we'll look at more of a 4-2-3-1 setup where the likes of Sark and Zink and Argel can cut inside, contribute both with creativity, with assists, with goals, that also then adds a, a layer of protection. You've got sort of an extra man in midfield that protects that midfield. We've talked about how that's been weakened with um, Kapoor leaving. Perhaps that helps in, in that department as well. Obviously, the big problem then is have we got a striker that can that can play up front on his own? And that's probably where that falls down. But that's that's what I've been thinking, where the difference might be rather than getting in a, a, a bunch of players, which January is not really the transfer window to be sort of redefining the team and adding big changes to the playing squad. And especially in the current context, in the current situation that we're in, those players that you talk about, John, from uh, the last promotion season, I think there were the balance of the players were right. And there were a, a sort of a couple that stand out. I thought sort of Lyon in terms of quality, I was always a big fan of Lyon. I think unfortunately for us, we never really sort of played him to his strengths. He was almost used as a kind of utility player to add quality to wherever we needed it on the day. But he did, I think, bring that extra quality. And then Watson was someone with fire in his belly, with desire, with passion. He was a winner. There was someone who who knew how to how to win games. Um, and of course, for us, his defining moment was his debut when he came on against Blackpool, that second half. What happened then? I can't quite remember. <laughs> was it just the seven goals That's when it, he made seven, his debut? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure if we are at that stage where in the current situation, the current context, if we are in a position to bring those players in to make that change. I think then we were a team on the up at the moment we're not and i don't think those sort of players will make the necessary changes i think it needs something different what that difference is i don't know i'm speculating and that's why i'm saying that perhaps the change in formation with the players that we've got might suit better but you just feel we're in a bit of a state of flux at the moment and it might take that little bit more and a and a full summer transfer window and a bigger reshaping of the squad to actually turn us into a side that can win promotion what kind of month are you expecting adam are you, are you do you think you're gonna have a lot of work to do or do you think you're not gonna have a lot of work to do because and you could have to turn your twitter off because everyone's gonna be getting in touch with you saying what's going on what's going on what's going on and, and not a lot's going on i think it's going to be busy overall i think there will be plenty of players linked but i think you know as jace has said there and i alluded to as well that they're not going to be able to do a lot of business and they're not necessarily going to think that they need to. Just a few sort of minor tweaks here and there. Um, and going back to the financial situation as well, I, I think that, you know, it, it's going to be prohibitive unless they can move, you know, a couple of players 
here and there. They have to be pretty sort of savvy with it. Because, you know, if, for example, for hypothetical, but it has been sort of talked about previously, say, for example, um, West Brom made a made a proper move once again for, for Troy Deeney because Sam Allardyce is more of the thinking that he would make a difference because I know that Slavon Bilic didn't necessarily fancy Deeney and wanted someone more like Andre Gray, actually. Say if one of those two came out of the out of the mix, then maybe you know, if they if they knew about it early on in the window, they could make a plan and say, right, well, if we do lose either either of them, that gives us a proper reason to bring in another striker. And then that could sort of kick on. So it would it would have to be one one in before one can go out, even if that big out was going to be a a big one, if that makes sense. Probably doesn't, but I hope you get my drift. That you know that you would need some someone big to leave. Like for example, let's say, and I don't think that this is going to happen because he hasn't been playing enough football, but he has been linked with moves in the past. Say if they if if Will Hughes, someone went, you know, we'll we'll try and take him in January, which I don't think will happen. You know, he's he's a big enough player that would generate enough of a of a an incoming transfer fee to be instantly reinvested something significant would have to happen for there to be a significant you know money spending move and of course that could be Ishmael Assar as well you know let's not forget about him if if man united come back in for him or liverpool or crystal palace or whoever then they would have to seriously consider it. The thing with Saar, I think it's worth saying, is it's rapidly looking like a very, very different, dif- um, very different formula, isn't it? Because now it's not. It's looking increasingly less like hang on to Saar, uh, gets back into the Premier League and realizes true value. It's now thinking, right, do we get what we can now, or let him go for fifteen million, uh, twenty million after a after what would deep could be deemed an unsuccessful championship campaign isn't it they're, they're now having to strike a very very different difficult balance with him and, and the other issue is that he hasn't he hasn't torn the championship up has he we have to be we have to be frank I mean he's done done well in in patches and he's obviously you, you've mentioned it before and it's absolutely right the class is permanent he is going to be a great player but anyone coming in, if you know, if Watford sit down at the negotiating table with for example Crystal Palace and say we want 40 million you know, Crystal Palace can now say, lads, really, you know, let's let's have a look at the the, the highlights tape of this season. We're not seeing forty million. Uh, you know what's going to happen if you don't go up. We'll give you twenty eight now instead of eighteen in three or four months. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's definitely something that will be discussed in January in some form, and there will be you know moves made and and clubs will test the water. I think that's inevitable, but that Watford will hope. In this sort of new um, new sort of era, however long that era is going to last, um, but a, a new era, a new positive era where the training grounds are happier place seemingly um, under under Munoz, that they will want to keep him. And I think you know what Jay said there uh, about a change in formation, also sort of unlocking um, more of the potential in Sar, in you know in Sema maybe um, bringing Zinkanagel into the mix as well. I mean. It, you know, for sake of argument, say if you were to play Sema, Saar and, and Zinkanagel up, up, up top together. I mean, you you, th- you think about the speed and the creativity in in that lineup. But then I suppose you know we've been here, we've been here before. You know, I remember doing a team of the uh, a team that would be my pick for for this um, season in the summer 
when we still had Estupinian and we still had Luis Suarez and he was going to be the central striker. You can have João Pedro on one side, you know, Domingos Kina potentially on the on the other side. You know, there's there are players that sort of have come out of the conversation, but that that can still make a difference. And, you know, I suppose, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but the impact of, of COVID as well, and that sort of having a disruptive influence on on not only the mentality, but also the availability of some players at, at times as well. So there are lots of hurdles to deal with at the moment. And I, I don't want to jump to the defence of, of the Watford hierarchy in, in any way, shape or form. But I think that that is, it is making things difficult. It is making the whole sort of proposition very difficult. And also in terms of the motivation of the players as well, we've heard it from the horse's mouth, Troy Deeney, you know, for some of the players, they struggle playing in front of <laughs> empty stadiums. They need to get over it. But that is also another factor to, to throw into the mix. Maybe it's the same, for, you know, it is the same for everyone else. So it's not a valid excuse, but it is a bit weird at the moment. And I think we are sort of one of the one of the sides that seems to be struggling with it, with the whole proposition of, of this season more than most. We've talked about him already. Watford signed on a free Philip Zinkenel from the Norwegian League. He's originally from Denmark. Uh, and I caught up with a Nordic football expert, Steve Wiss, who is from the Nordic Football Podcast. You can follow them at Nordic Foot Pod on Twitter. Uh, find them in all your, your normal podcasting places. Uh, and you can also follow Steve for more insight at Meet Man Soccer. So I had to ask him, of course, you know, find out a bit more about Philip, but started with a team he'd played in. Tell us about the, the team he played in and, and, and what they achieved last season. Buda Glimt had an amazing year, 26 out of 30 wins up there in the, in the north of Norway, uh, the best that we've ever really seen up there in the Elitis area. You know, it was it was an amazing team for, for they scored over a hundred goals. You know, it was a, a stunning team. So he he was basically surrounded by a bunch of very very good players who just dominated the league in that respect. So you know, there will be some people who will look at his statistics and think, oh well, it's partly because he's in a good team, and I'm sure that was a slight factor. But uh, you know, it was an amazing side uh, that he was involved in. What, what did he add to to that amazing side? Goals and, and assists, basically. What he, he tend to do is he put in so many shots and so many crosses. That's why he's, he's, he's had such um, amazing statistics. Almost like a bit of a scattergun approach, if you know what I mean. And and that would be perhaps where you may ask yourself, can he repeat that at someone like Watford in the Championship? Because with all due respect, you're probably not going to be as dominant as, as, as what Buda Glimp were in their league, right? Is he going to have that chance to sort of be peppering in the shots and peppering in the crosses because, you know, in terms of shots on target rate, he was only 40%, which is quite good, but it's not exceptional. And, you know, his cross accuracy was only 36%, which, again, it's not bad, but it's not exceptional, is it? So that that's going to be probably his biggest challenge in terms of adaptation. Do you truly think he can? I mean, you know, a mentality of a player, how he, he is, how he played, how he maybe he improved uh, in Norway, because I know he originally came from Denmark. Do you, do you feel that he has he's got it within him to to make that step up? Yeah, I think he's got. Uh, he's definitely massively improved technically, so I would expect that to probably improve as he moves into the championship. Although you know, it's worth remembering that Buda Glimp they do play on an artificial surface. There's a lot of artificial surfaces in Norway, so you know, can he do it on a, a cold night at Kenilworth Road? That's that's probably a question, but I think mentally, um, he's been very very strong recently. I think he he's up for the challenge. He, he won't shy away from from stuff physically as as well. Um, I certainly think it's within him. I think you're going to need a little bit of patience, perhaps though, because 
Yeah, it can take them some time to adapt to um, to certain leagues. And the Championship's a brutal league, I think. I am a Leeds fan, and I've been there for the last 15 years until this year. It's a brutal league. and um, But, yeah, he's definitely within him. I think he's an exceptional signing for Watford, for sure, uh, considering, you know, getting him on free. Yeah, that's my, my question is like, you know, it's always great to get a new player and get them in for free. Do you think, uh, w- would that have uh, been a bad thing? The fact that the that, uh, Bruder Glimt, you know, was that bad for them that they, they lost such a, a big, important player, not only in terms of his football, but also in terms of, you know, money coming in? Yeah, of course it was bad, but it's almost, it's quite a regular occurrence up there. In, in Scandinavia, really. Um, a lot of clubs, Sweden, Norway, whatever, they lose. There's a lot of player turnover. Contracts are only like one year, two year stuff. And, and it's very regular that players go for nothing at the end of the season or even mid-season for, for not much money. It's a great place to raid, really. Um, they were kind of expecting this because it was reported in the media months and months in advance. Yeah, he's got this contract that's going to run out at the end of the season. There was talk that perhaps in the summer, uh, that the October window, that they might try and sell him to just make something before he goes for nothing. But ultimately, they kept him till the end of the year. I think it'd be almost water off a duck's back for a team like Glimp, really. Yes, it's a blow, but you're kind of expecting it. Remember, they did get a decent fee for Jens Petter Holger to, to AC Milan to soften the blow. Um, you know, At least they got something for a real starlet there. Clubs in, in Scandinavia are kind of used to losing players for not much, really. And what is it? What's the one thing you think that, as, as Watford fans, we should be getting excited about? What's the one thing we should be looking out for, uh, even early on in his Watford career? Do you know what? I think you can really look forward to a bit of drive, um, both in terms of mentality and then also physical energy um, that he can bring to the team. He's a very well-conditioned player. He's going to also bring a winning mentality to him, um, you know, confidence, so I think he can really, but he could. There's a chance he could burst onto the scene quickly and make an impact. I, I really hope he can do that for for Watford. Really uh, going forward, my gut feeling is he may need a bit of patience uh, with him as well. Yeah, you know, you've got to sort of adapt to this uh, new league. Um, in the past, has played in pretty much any attacking position uh, in the final third, really, even centre midfield. Um, so he's very adaptable in that way. But he's he's really settled into this right sort of wing role. Uh, you know, if you're looking to um, bring in someone off the bench as well to make a big impact, he, he's useful for that. I don't think he's a moody sort of player. He's not going to get in a huff if he's taken off or he, he only comes off the bench. He's, he's got the mindset, uh, you know, he just wants to come in and, and do well, I think. And he'll be motivated to, to improve the side. Very versatile, like you're saying. A lot of players are versatile in Scandinavia. They tend to be tend to play in a lot of different positions. Um so I, I could see him popping up anywhere for you, for you guys, really. It was quite a coup, really, I think, for Watford to get Zinkenagel because there was a lot of deep, of sort of big names linked with him. Uh, so the, he, you must have appealed to him personally um, to um, you know to offer him the sort of footballing future that he wants. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! We've been quite negative on this on this podcast in the main we've it, a lot of it has been about how we're not performing a lot of it is how we need to either change the formation or change the bodies in the building and i think that that all is is relatively uh, relatively fair but also we do need to look at the table we do need to realize you know game in hand we're on 40 points that puts us within striking distance of of swansea who we've all said we uh, we expect to be one of the best teams in the in the division you know, we win our game in hand with three points behind 
one of the best teams in in the division and and after a tumultuous time we've had you know if anyone else had listened to to sort of our tone for for the majority of the first sort of 22 games of the season you'd expect us to be battling relegation probably not 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 in the comfortably in the in the playoff shakeup so the, the the good news is from a from a Watford point of view and I understand why we're all coming from this this situation you know it's the end of Christmas we're into the new year there are there are widely reported issues out there in the world it's an uncertain difficult time as Adam said there and we say it week in week out but it is important inside the ground it's weird and outside the ground supporters apart from a very very few aren't able to see the team that connection doesn't exist so what you're getting from your your Watford fix is at the most an hour from Hornet Hive before the game and 15 minutes afterwards and the game that's it you're not getting I've said it again but it is important so it's easy just to go well we're a bit rubbish aren't we oh this is rubbish it's not going to go go our way and I'm not dismissing that because I, I, I'm the same you know you watch a game and like Ugh, that wasn't much fun was it and you're on to the on to the next thing so I think we can be quick to dismiss the situation we're in we're actually still up there and fighting and the reality is if you're going to get promoted from the championship you know need to go on a really really good run of form you need to win a lot of games if Watford do that then I think they will still be go very very close to to to, to finishing in the top two if they turn in promotion it sounds it sounds obvious but if they turn in the form they need to they're going to go up still they this season isn't gone the season isn't isn't a waste it isn't a bust just yet um, but the, you know the performances do need to get better. So I think we just need to temper it slightly. You know, there is a, a someone said to use the great phrase. You know, Zinchenko not going to be a silver bullet, but he sounds like a good signing. And if he can bring other other players into it, then it could yet still, even after sort of what halfway through the season, I guess, where we ha- we still feel like we haven't got going. Yet still there we are on the coattails of the of the teams that we we're very very quick to praise. I get the the sense of deflation, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, can be chief amongst them. It's, 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 it's easy to be like that. And it's, and it's, and it's not the wrong thing, but it's also, if you're going to be like that, we also need to look at, right. Okay. Come on. We're still there. We're still clinging on by our fingernails at times, but we beat the league leaders last week. We've come close despite a, a disappointing performance to getting a point perhaps against Swansea. You know, if we'd have, if we'd have got a point against Norwich and a point against Swansea, would the tone of this pod have been different? I suggest it probably would. You know, we've picked up points against against the best teams. Well, we've got three. So 50% hit rate against the, the two of the best teams in the division. Go on, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, well, you're a weirdo sometimes, Mike, with your positivity, with your negativity and where, you, where your heads are. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. that's not going to change for the rest of this season. Uh, and we, 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 yeah, that's the fun we'll we'll see what happens FA Cup next week away at Manchester United I don't think it's even worth a conversation about who's and what's going to be in that team but hopefully it will be a productive game uh, for for many players who haven't played a lot for Watford thank you very much for your time Jason thank you Uh, and thank you Michael yes it's a good buy from your resident weirdo (laughs) and thank you very much Adam absolute pleasure gents thank you Uh, we're back again with other podcasts after that Manchester United uh, game in the FA Cup Uh, But don't worry, uh, I won't be doing another FA Cup quiz, which I've done for the last few years. (laughs) I think I've finally run out of Watford-related FA Cup questions. We'll be back with our life following Watford Football Club. Football Club.